In any business and you're self-employed, you don't go in thinking that you're going to fail. Now, if it doesn't work out, that doesn't mean that you failed. Mm -hmm. That just means that you learned. You can't afford to not take chances because you feel that you may fail. All right, this is Sean Allen, president of the Scarborough Business Association. And you're listening to The Wealth Busters with Nada and Cody here on your favorite platform. If you want anything and all knowledge possible situation, you got to check these guys out. What drove you to do multiple business when you know that you can stop doing it a long time ago? What kept driving you to move forward? I don't know if I would say I could stop doing anything. I'm a... I keep going. I got the momentum. Like the shark. Keep to, going. Have to keep yeah. pushing. And and, I, and for myself, I was doing mortgages for 21 years this yeah. year. As a mortgage broker, wow. right? Yeah, more, I opened up Matrix in 2008. So this is our 15th year. And oh, I was nice. doing mortgages before that. So, you know, once that was running, then I said, hey, I need to get clients. So I said... We put some effort into advertising. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So we open up the advertising side. Is that your media company you you were yeah, talking now, about that helping we, people yeah. do exactly, CDAP and all exactly. that? Exactly. Right? Yeah. So now we have that. Then after I was like, okay, well when I started mortgages, I was working at a real estate office mm-hmm. and Oh, you guys would go hand in hand, right? We Help out refer each other yeah, but clients. The, the time that I was doing that, um, you know, we're giving the clients the the real estate agents clients that were pre-qualified and they were so busy wow. that they couldn't take the people out. So I was like, okay, well, I have to get my real estate license now. So I'll take them out. Right? <laughs> so now I'm the mortgage broker, the marketer, and the realtor. Yeah. When, when was that? How old were you at that point? This is like 2008, 2006, I'm 79. So I don't know, do the math, like 30 years old. 30 years old? Yeah. Okay. Right? Okay. So, so I'm 32 for p- listeners who doesn't know. I'm 32, turning 33. Not as 26. Okay, she gave it away the secret. We're the average, then we come to 30. Yeah, right. So, so I, at that time, you have a broker, um, mortgage broker license, you have a, you're a realtor, you also own a media company, yeah, a small media company, small media company. Then, then I own a house too. At nice. that time, I owned a house when I was 24, and Amazing. um, that's what 10,000 back then. No, it was, I bought it for 190. Wow. Yeah. That's what probably area? a luxury house. Morningside and Shepherd. Yeah. One ninety and now the I just sold one actually for uh just under eight. Wow. Right? Crazy, eh? It's crazy. So um now I went had those three businesses and then um a lot of people in two thousand Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen were having trouble getting mortgages. Why were they having trouble? Just the market mortgages? was dynamics mm-hmm. was changing. Twenty seventeen, Kathleen Wing came out with the uh, stress test. Yeah, yeah, right. So that kind of threw people in a loop. So then we said, okay, um, private lending company, right? Mm-hmm. So now that's the fourth company, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's like everything. All the companies go hand in hand. So the private lending company, a matrix, it kind of. Th- Kind of was inspired because of the stress test ratio. Um, it was and it wasn't. It's just we wanted to have more control over the situation. Mm-hmm. You want to have a full, more integrated business, yeah, yeah right? Because yeah. your mortgage brokers uh, 
original business is it called matrix as well or is it no the mortgage brokerage is matrix mortgage global the mortgage administration is called capital c-a-p-l canadian administration of private lending okay right so we have a handful of investors in that and uh it's been working pretty good yeah right yeah working pretty good so okay age 30 and then the stress test in around 2015 that comes out, then you start thinking about the private lending, the, the company, and that's why you created Matrix and all that, mm-hmm. right? Um, do you still, do you still have your license? Yeah, your, your license? yeah. You still have it? Yeah, yeah. You still keep it? Oh, I do you have, still? I'm the broker record. Oh, okay. You're broker record yeah. on that. How, yeah. how big is your team on that side now? Uh, right now it's 62, 62 agents. Amazing. Yeah, we went from... You know, 30 when we started to 100 and changing in the peak. And then uh, now COVID, people fall off, mm-hmm. 80, 20 rule, all that stuff. Yeah. And now we're at 62, clean, running clean. efficient. Yeah. Clean, right? Yeah. So it's pretty good. And how big is your mortgage broker side? Huh? That's business? the broker side. And then and then the real estate side is five of us. Oh, five of you. And eight. then the administration side is uh, three. Nice. So very it. clean. Very clear. Very, very okay. Clean. Very, very so clean. it's 2008 and you have a media company. I'm going to just stick to that one for one second just because, yeah. you know, I have my marketing business, yeah. likewise marketing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> plug, plug. <laughs> plug. But one thing I, I want to pick your brain about is you started one in 2008 and usually a lot of people even tell me this is like that's the top line to go during a recession or whenever yeah. the economy goes down. Like yeah. what kind of drove you to opening a marketing company at, the, at that time? Well, the the thing is, in 2008, I didn't know what a recession was, <laughs> right? I'm like, what is this? I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. I create my own economy. I don't worry what's Love happening it. outside. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that if I need to convert, I'm going to convert, regardless mm-hmm. if it's an up market, down market, left, right. You know, a little tidbit. I got five kids, one grandkid, you know Amazing. what I mean? And all my kids own a home, you know what I mean? So it's like... I have to make sure that I put the foundation there for that. 100%. So I'll sacrifice myself over that. You know what I'm saying? So you have to just create your own economy. So regardless what the market is, you got to keep pushing. That's why you have to stay diversified. Because if 100%. one thing is not working, because a lot of people that are in mortgages right now, they're struggling, right? The 40%, 50% down. Yeah. It's hard. You know what I mean? It's hard for people. So, you know, we got to push through and you got to find other angles how to make things work yeah so like i i know you're the master at this because you start doing 2008 and like you said i know a lot of mortgage broker are struggling but the ones who are struggling is because they are one trick pony yeah they're trying to help out the first time home buyer or yeah. relying on Realtors. someone else giving them yeah referral but when the the real estate market slow down the yeah. realtor slows down so there's yeah. no referral yeah and the ones that are doing really well is they find the the pain point of the current investor or yeah. homeowner, and which is a lot of that is because of the interest rate goes up. So they couldn't afford their mortgage, yeah. right? So how are you guys, like, what, how do you guys maneuver this and has been adjusting your business? It's very simple. I'll tell you this. In any market, up, down, left, right, there's more homeowners than home buyers. Okay? Through COVID, 550,000, 600,000 homes sold, mm-hmm. Right? There's still 9 million homeowners, 6 million of them own a mortgage. So why am I going to go fight for 600000 when I could deal with $6 million? 
You mean the buyer size is six hundred thousand, yeah. but then there's six million homes. Six right? million home, six nine million homeowners. Yeah, mm-hmm. with six million of them having a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Do the yeah. math. Why would I fight and have to work with realtors? And you know, it's the path of least resistance. Hundred percent. You know what I mean? So you you want to, you know, cut out the middleman wherever possible. Mm-hmm. Right. When you're dealing with a real estate purchase transaction, you have potentially two realtors. A home inspector, an appraiser, a bank, two lawyers, all mm-hmm. these people in the transaction. Mm-hmm. A private mortgage for a real estate, a residential refinance, whatever it is. You got the lawyer, you got the investor, you got the 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 uh, title insurer, the appraiser. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's less people, mm-hmm. right? So that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. Less, less is more. Mm-hmm. That's why you kind of pivot in there. Yeah. Wow. It's good, though, because you do the traditional mortgage, like the A lender, B lender, but then with the stress test or with a lot of other, you know, interest rate hike, then a lot of people won't qualify on the A side or even the B side, then they might come to your Well, they're company. not qualified now, right? So, yeah. and this is coming back to the whole stress test. So, right now, I'll give you the stats on this. To qualify... TD, if you go on their website, you can check it out right now. Mm-hmm. TD's, you know, three year, I think is six, seven, nine as of today. Yeah. Today's September 29th, yeah. right? Yep. That's an open rate. So yeah, yeah. that's a three year rate, yeah. right? So three year closed, three year fixed. Yeah, three year fixed. So to oh, qualify. Wow. That's a post rate, though. You that's know? A yeah. post you could rate. Get, a, get a bit better. You get a yeah. discount. Let's yeah. say you get a discount at, you know, 0.25. six, point two five. Let's say yeah. six. Yeah. Okay. Let's say, let's call it six. All right. That's their three year. To qualify for that three year, you're gonna have to do six plus two, which is the stress test. Mm-hmm. So now you're at eight. But for a private mortgage, I can get a private mortgage at nine, nine and a half, no stress. So people mm. say, "Shit, I, you know, maybe I can't qualify the bank. I talk to Sean and get a mortgage, a mm-hmm. private mortgage." Mm-hmm. So right. there's like a three point spread, maybe. Yeah, but what they they don't have to, you know. Provide as much information and the stress test is a lot easier. Or there is no stress none, test, yeah. right? There's no stress, right? Yeah. So would you? So what path of least resistance you're gonna take? Yeah, you know you're gonna take the private. So you know, and on top of that, it's like if you try to go to the bank and you know you have a regular mortgage and it's coming up for renewal right now, and people have two percent, three percent. You know, they got their mortgage in COVID or just before Yeah, COVID. I still have one that's 2.15. 2. Yeah. 2. Yeah, so now when you renew, it's going to be six. Yeah. Can you afford to pay triple the price yeah. on your mortgage? Yeah. Most people can't. No. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. a tough market right now. It's yeah. also planning, too. Like, for myself, like, last year, I did a refi for, like, three years, like, 2.5%. Helps me sleep at night. But mm. in anticipation for that rate hike... Every month now, we're like paying our mortgage as if it's the new rate. Yeah, you know? and that's smart. But who can do that? Not everybody. Not too many people. Not everyone could do that. Yeah, it's a very difficult market. It's very interesting. So I'm just seeing from the global standpoint because everyone who is complaining about the housing prices too high, they want it to come down. But the reality is that if the housing price come down, the whole real estate industry slow down. It's not coming down. No, I'm saying like people want it to come down, but yeah. we have seen it in China, right? Yeah. And, and other places in the world. Everyone wants it to come down, but the moment it comes down, the whole economy stop. 
and people stop paying mortgage broker not making money real estate agent like majority of not making money the whole wheel just stop and then that's a very scary thing right so anyway i'm just throwing that in i'm gonna give you a tidbit all right so i'm gonna give you four salary points 122,000 right which is a pretty decent salary yeah that's a good good management upper management right a person with 122,000 could Purchase a price, purchase a home for around five hundred and thirty-five, five hundred and forty thousand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One hundred and forty-five thousand, they could buy for around six twelve, six fifteen, around there. One hundred eighty-five thousand, they could buy for you know six and change, and then a hundred and two hundred and twelve thousand, they could buy for around eight. Okay, that's that's yeah. what they could qualify for. Now, the average home price as of Korea's data for August shows that the average home price for a detached home in Canada is nine hundred and seventy-eight thousand. Yeah. So those four salaries represent a Toronto City Councilor at one hundred twenty-two thousand, mm-hmm. one hundred and forty-five thousand as an MPP, one hundred and eighty-five thousand as an MP, and two hundred and twelve thousand as the mayor. So wow. the mayor can't even afford. To purchase a home in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Check those stats. Crazy. It's funny because I just did a short form video. This is the most, I know like Nana loves the, the Reddit, Reddit stuff, right? The most viral threats on Reddit is the top 10% earner in Canada makes about $178,000. Yeah. And they cannot afford, the average home price in Canada is about mm. 840000 they cannot go on their own and qualify. No. They can't. They need a partner. But not 100%. everyone wants to own it with a partner. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> so you so I know you're very close with all the 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 mayors and all that. So even if they cannot buy a house, what's your standpoint on that? How like there's a way that what they say, but truthfully, what do you think that will really help? Help them qualify or help the situation? What help the mean? situation. Yeah. Because there's a okay. I'm not gonna. Put, I'm not Ooh. gonna put you on the spot. Yeah. On, oh, we can answer, I can answer the question. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna put you on the spot on what the politicians said could be right or wrong, or whether they were actually doing it. But what do you truly think will help this situation on both sides? Mm-hmm. Well, first things first, they need to offer longer term amortizations. Yes, because in Canada, most people are going maximum up to five years. In the sorry, US, sorry. it's thirty sorry, that's, years. That's 20, Twenty-five to thirty. Twenty-five sorry. to thirty. 30, 30 is 30. the max, right? Yeah. So when I got into mortgages, I seen the market go from twenty-five year AMS to thirty year AMS to thirty-five year AMS mm-hmm. to forty year AMS, back down to twenty-five yeah. year AMS in eighteen months. Mm-hmm. Right, so that was the first issue, and then they used to offer mortgages up to one hundred and five, one hundred and ten percent of the value of the home. Now, you know, they don't need to do that, but I think just stretching out the amortization gives people an opportunity 100%. to lower their monthly payments, and they're offering it when you renew because people can't qualify, but they need to make it a grand synopsis or grand, mm. you know, scheme, mm-hmm. yeah, so that everyone could qualify, and then they need to start offering people options of 10-year mortgages or 15-year yes. mortgages so that you could just set it and forget it yeah because why is it that every five years you have to reset your mortgage and then you know you're gonna leverage your home to pull out cash and all this stuff 100%. and i'm not against that it's the fruit of my business but at the same time 
you know, we're doing a disservice to people because now they can't afford to buy a home. Like you go to certain countries like Bermuda, for example, those houses are handed down for generations. Yeah. For a right. reason, right? Yeah. And in the U.S., they have like a 30-year term for mortgages. I yeah. was trying to mention. 40. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, like, Canada, either way. The multifamily can go 30 or 40. 50. 50. Yeah. yeah. But the residential, you, you cannot. You can't. It's significantly yeah. reduced for yeah. some reason. It's just. So I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the thought process is. Yeah. Hmm. And then, so besides the longer amortization, that, that's the first time I actually heard it. So I love that standpoint. <laughs> yeah. I think it will solve a lot of problems for sure. Is there anything else that you think will help with this people qualifying or just all this situation? I could, on? you know, irresponsibly say. Irresponsibly or irresponsibly? Irresponsibly <laughs> okay. say get rid of the stress test, but that's a global mandate. Yeah. You want to make sure that people have the ability to pay in an environment where they're stressed. However, those people that qualified at two and a quarter during the stress test, the stress test is overstretched mm -hmm. because that stress test rate doesn't even exist. The rates currently are higher than the stress test. So regardless if you put people through the stress test or not, it doesn't even matter because yeah. the rates are higher than that. So, you know, I'm all for, you know, putting some safeguards in place to protect homeowners. But at the same time, maybe it's a combination of, you know, a stress test for first-time home buyers to make sure they could get in. But once you're in a home and you're navigating the bills and the expenses, mm -hmm. then by hook or by crook, food, shelter, water, you're going to cover those things, mm -hmm. right? So I think there should be a balance in respects to how that approach is taken uh, with qualifying people on refinancing with the stress test or without the stress test. Mm -hmm. Because you're, you're putting people in a situation where... You know, and I've seen this. Someone's mortgage renewal comes up, and they went from two, three percent to yeah. five, six percent. Yeah. And you know now it's happening stuck, to many people, and they they can't they can't do anything, and they they're forced to sell and rent. Yeah. Right. It's happening a lot, and now you're taking someone out of a situation where they had asset appreciation, albeit very minimal at this current stage, but over the long term you know, the asset prices are still trending up. Um, but now they don't have the ability to benefit from that. And then they take their money out. They have life expenses. They have um, life expenses and the hidden mm -hmm. tax on the average Canadian is inflation, right? So 100%. they think that they're safe with 400000 500000 in their account. Yeah. But inflation is eating away. And then they're underrepresenting what the true inflation numbers are. Mm -hmm. Because when COVID started, March 15, 2020, gas prices were a dollar. Yeah. Right now, as I drove up here, yeah. mm -hmm. gas prices are $1.62. Yeah. That's a 62% increase. Well, in at the one cost point, it's over $2, food. right? It was. It's a 62% increase from March 15, 2020 to today. Yeah. Whose eh? income has increased sixty two percent? Yeah, and gas is not even factored in to the CPI. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when they say that inflation is coming down and now inflation is apparently going back up, it was never really down. It's just that they changed the mechanism for how they measure. calculate it. Yeah, yeah. how's measure? 
And then you look at and you look at minimum wage. I think they're raising it to like sixteen fifty five on October first. Like it's not enough. It's not enough at all. Like that's if one person is working full time hours and is doing minimum wage, they can they will never afford a home in years. Like it's going to take a long time. They might have to get roommates or you know buy with somebody else. But it's not a reality anymore. Well, I think the new reality is that people are going to have to start buying properties as a collective. Yes. There's some communities that, you know, treasure that thought process and some that don't. Mm -hmm. But I think more and more people are going to start looking at the concept, whether it's as a family Mm -hmm. or as a real estate collective or as you know, a government-led strategy mm-hmm. to put people in homes that you buy on a fractional ownership structure where you have, you know, maybe instead of buying a whole house, you Someone buy, pitched me that idea buy a room, years ago. you know what I mean? Yeah. Because right now, and this ties into, I don't know if you want to talk about that now or later, affordable housing. You know what I mean? Let's go for it, man. Yeah. yeah, we could talk about that because affordable but housing. Before we move on, I yeah. want to touch on that idea because a lady pitched me that idea years ago um, about exactly that co-owning, co-habitat. You know, basically, she wants to build a website that have like-minded people that's going to go co-own the house together, mm-hmm. share the same title. Like, I, I think I was, what's that word called? Uh, there's two types: a joint tenancy, tenancy in common, tenancy yeah. in common. So that'll be a tenancy in common because they don't, they're not really related, and a husband mm-hmm. and wife and all that. So they basically have a platform that allow people to have tenancy in common, mm-hmm. right? So, um, but I, I think the lady never took it off, maybe because of a lot of regulation, where maybe didn't know how to scale it. But now we're coming back to the same conversation, and she was right. So if you're listening to it, <laughs> you were right yeah. about that. But um, you know, execution I, I, is the key, though. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, I think some some policy would would have to be implemented um, to alleviate some of the, I guess, red tape in regards to how tenancies are severed. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Because you can get into a situation. Where we us three, can someone, buy wants property, someone wants out, someone wants out, and then there's and no we don't way. have money to buy you out. Exactly. What do we do? Exactly. That's a that's the question I raised it to her. How are you going to solve that? You're so, going to find another guy that comes in, kind of like a joint venture kind of thing. Well, I'm thinking <laughs> more on the lines of you know you get a an insurance slush fund of some sort, you know, building up on the side where you know one person there's some guidelines in around okay you need to have at least X owners on the property and then you know two thirds have to remain and only yeah. one third could depart and then if you don't have the capital then this resource fund is mm-hmm. there to support the buyout at X price and X you know fee mm-hmm. and whatever yeah. and, then and they own a back. piece of it and then you own thing. a piece of that and you pay yeah. back into the fund right yeah. so something well, you sell or something yeah you, yeah they get a share out of it mm-hmm. yeah. gotta be a win-win for both yeah right? so the fund would get a portion of your share or or something along those lines oh, you get my brain going now sean <laughs> See? you got my yeah. brain going i, I think it. outside the box yeah right yeah maybe that that could be a next business we could do it because <laughs> i'm quite sure if that because think about it if if you have this investment fund over here 
And their whole purpose is is a for-profit entity. And Mm -hmm. they have an opportunity to buy in to a situation that may be cordial or may not be cordial. Mm -hmm. And they're buying in for maybe someone wants to sell and there's a clause in there that they have to sell at, you know, 80 cents on the dollar. Yeah. Right? You want to buy a wholesaling deal. You're You're buying wholesale. Yeah. Right? So that's a strategy. Hey. We could make a business out of that. For sure. <laughs> We're talking about that. That's worth enough to cheers for. Hey, cheers. don't leave, don't leave me out of this one. I'm joining that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's actually a really in- interesting idea. That's a billion dollar business. Yeah. That's a bill. That's Maybe scalable. we're not going to air this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's called, we're just going to hold it to ourselves. That's called cash up my equity now. Yeah. <laughs> now, because a lot of time, a business we build, we solve a problem. Mm-hmm. Then we create another problem. And now we create another business to solve the next problem. Yeah. And that just continued to go on. Yeah. And after that, there's probably another problem after that. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah. But um, again, we're playing a long shot there. I think that's the role of entrepreneurs to solve problems. Yeah. Yeah. We keep solving the next one. The next one. We know what the next one is. Then we solve it. But then I I think that, you know, and I think we can take a segue into kind of your, your influence on the... um, I have good connection with a lot of high influential people, right? So uh, that's why I think it's, it's worth for you to talk about all this concept, all this policy haven't gone in mm-hmm. and you might have to pull to make it happen, right? So I know you have like a mayor's uh, a lunch event mm-hmm. coming up. Is that yeah. happening every year? Yeah, so the mayor's lunch um, is a product owned by the Scarborough Business Association. Um, they've been running it now. Uh, for six years, two of those years were in COVID, so they're held virtually. Mm-hmm. And I um, am the newly elected president of the Scarborough Business Association. Wow, congrats. Um, thank you. So so now I'm, I guess, tasked with my uh, lovely board of directors um, with the task of putting on this event. Um, it's a very prestigious event. The, the We've got it to you know, 300, 400 people in its peak. Wow. Um, but now I want to get it to 15, maybe 2,000 people, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think we can do it, and I think it's very important. We just came off of, you know, the mayor's debate, um, you know, in I believe it was April or May. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had good feedback from that and brought a lot of community organizations together to, to support that issue. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think the mayor's lunch would be another, you know, chief cornerstone in the building blocks of, you know, building a strong community. 100%. So the, the the venue we're talking about is the, the Toronto Business Summit, right? Is that the one you're wearing the hat? No, the Toronto Business Summit is a separate initiative. So Okay, so um, this one is the one that's called the, the, the Scarborough search. Mayor lunch. The mayor's lunch. So mayor's the mayor's lunch. lunch right? um, so the mayor's lunch is, is circled around... Um, previously, we started with John Tory. I'm mm-hmm. um, coming to Scarborough to talk about local issues to Scarborough because a lot of times, you know, people in Scarborough felt that their issues were not being heard yeah. in the grand scheme of the Toronto landscape. So, in came the mayor's lunch, and um, you know, we brought John Tory up to talk about those issues. And now with his departure, the tradition continues with Mayor Chow and, um, you know, just bringing and I, and I don't, you know, want to make it seem like it's Scarborough only, mm-hmm. but it's Scarborough focused. But it, 
they talk about Toronto issues yeah. as a whole because Scarborough is technically still a part of Toronto. So, you know, we expand um, the conversation um, beyond Scarborough, but mm-hmm. Scarborough is the focus because there's a lot of issues with regards to development, loss of, um, you know, employment lands, uh, transit as a, a major, major topic in Scarborough because yeah. um, there's officially no subway um, yeah. line in Scarborough. So there's an extension to it. It's done. It's they closed down line yeah. three, right? So <laughs> south. That's it. So that's it. So the only stop we really have is Kennedy and Warden yeah. and mm-hmm. Victoria Park, and then you're done, right? Yeah. So for a place that has you know almost seven hundred thousand, maybe eight hundred thousand people, to not have transportation is very, uh, it's very demoralizing for some because it takes a lot of time yeah. to yeah. get around, right? So yeah. wow, that's amazing. So you guys are bridging that disconnect between the community. And yeah. uh, the policymakers, basically. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Why, why most of your stuff is evolving around Scarborough? Why, born why? in Scarborough. <laughs> You're born in Scarborough. Okay. Raised in Scarborough. Raised in Scarborough. My head office is in Scarborough. Okay. And I live in Scarborough, so I'm. I am. <laughs> you you <represent> are Scarborough. <laughs> Scarborough. You're like Drake represent B Town. You represent Scarborough. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Drake. <laughs> His whole rep sub team is from Scarborough too, so they they put Drake wherever where they is. want. Drake is Scarborough adjacent. <laughs> yes, yes, he's Scarborough adjacent. You have to put it on the record. Yes, Scarborough <laughs> has his back. Yeah. Scarborough has his back. Got it. Got it. Got it. His whole security details from Scarborough. Hmm. Yeah. What is Justin that mean? Bieber too? What no one's that? messing with the Scarborough. His whole security, <laughs> his head security people are from Scarborough. No one's messing with them anytime soon. That's it. <laughs> it's very interesting, right? Like, I, like Scarborough used to be, you know, like, kind of like the lower price point of like the properties, right? Yep. A lot of blue collar workers, people yep. work hard, represent. Like, even nowadays, like, if you guys are listening to this, you guys are from Toronto area. Go to the Costco in Scarborough. You guys will know what Scarborough is about. Yeah. I've been there once and I'm like, holy cow, represent. Yeah. You guys been there, done that, know what I mean by that. But um, if you know, you know. Yeah, if you know, you know. <laughs> it just, it's a very different crowd, right? People yeah. are like eager and they're, they're, they work hard and they, they represent Scarborough hard. Yeah. Scarborough yeah. has its own brand. Yeah. Love Scarborough is a big promotion with the Health Network. Yeah. Um, everyone, they got Scarborough spots with Jesse promoting all Scarborough things. Yeah, um, it's a, it's, a, it's got its own identity for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Cool. Uh, now I know why you hold it so close. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And then I know you were like on top of like the 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 Toronto Business Summit. Yeah. I know you you guys were just having some success, right? Yes. Tell that, us more about that. What yeah. what's that hat you're wearing for so the longest time? The Toronto Business Summit was a idea that came out of a necessity to bridge the gap between students, business, community, and government. Students coming into Scarborough and across Toronto, um, you know, especially foreign students, they they didn't know how to open a bank account. Yeah. They are intimidated when looking for employment. Mm -hmm. Um. There's a lot of gaps there mm-hmm. that, you know, we had to bring the business community 
to the students. Um, businesses were suffering through COVID and coming out of COVID, mm-hmm. not knowing, you know, what resources were there to support them. Um, yeah. You know, accounting is and advertising are the two um, number one, number two things that need that businesses need to, mm-hmm. to survive. If one of What's those the first missing, one? Accounting. Mm-hmm. Accounting was the second one. Advertising, right? 100%. Without that, you don't have a business because you can have the best product. No one knows about it. And no one knows about it. Yeah. That's your advertising. And then you might be selling the best product, but if you can't maintain the account of your inventory. <laughs> no cash flow, then you're yeah. screwed. No, seriously. Your financial health is your important. financial health is important, right? Yeah. So those are the, the number one and number two. So, you know, there's a lot of small businesses that, you know, they still keep track of things on paper if they do at all or, yeah. you know, they pay cash, right? So, you know, just for an example, like, there's a lot of transit construction projects across the city and there's funding available um, for businesses that have demonstrated a financial loss. Mm -hmm. But if you can't demonstrate a financial loss, you can't benefit from the programs that are out there. And this is kind of how this whole thing came about is providing the ability to support these businesses to you know, get them on track with their accounts and get them on track with, you know, all of those things that are necessary to bring them, you know, to the level where they can go to the bank and get financing, they can get grants and loans and things like that. So this is why the Toronto Business Summit was put in place, was to provide a centralized resource for solutions for not only businesses, Mm -hmm. but students as well. There's a lot of student entrepreneurs. There's grants for students as well. Like there's a grant right now if you're between the age of 15 and 29. Oh, man, I just passed that. Yeah, there's (laughs) $3,000 grant if you have a business. Oh, $3,000 you can get for your business to to put your business. You got to look it in, man. Right? I'm definitely going to. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's not a big thing, but it's, it's hey, it, it could help. 100%. Yeah. You know, you maybe could buy a new tablet. Maybe you could yeah. get a new iPhone. And yeah. now, you know, the ecosystem, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. works better. And now with that, you have the tools necessary to put you to another level that would You'd be surprised how much 3000 can give you. Like when I started my first business in first year, I, I used my existing laptop. I got my camera f- as a birthday gift from my fiance back then girlfriend. I bought a microphone off Amazon for a hundred bucks. Yeah, that was my first year, and I hit multiple six figure. There you go. <laughs> That's right. It. So yeah. three thousand bucks. So there's a grant for that, right? Yeah, and, that was that was my startup fee. Yeah, yeah, people don't know you could you could you, there's money out there to support people, and 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 I wanted to, you know, showcase that. So what we did was we brought in BDC, um, we brought in Economic Development for the City of Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a specific program, um, a breakout session, talking about grants mm-hmm. and what grants are available. Yeah. Um, we brought someone in from Procurement Canada. So I don't know if you know, but you could actually, you know, this podcast, for example, you can sell this service to the government of Canada and they'll pay you for hosting a podcast if that's something that they need right so there's the government of canada hires local businesses and it's procurement canada so we, we brought them in and there's just so many local um startups like this mm. one startup came in from costa rica and what they did is they repurposed um airline seats from i think it was uh southwest 
um, and they made that into shoes and bags and luggage. Wow. Right? So there's a lot of innovative stuff out there. And there's programs out there to support that. Right? So I wanted the Toronto Business Summit to represent all things business in Toronto um, at a very high level, but not at a unapproachable level mm -hmm. where you sometimes go to conferences and they're stuffy. It's all suits and ties yeah. and the technology or the terminology discussed is, you know, it's not engaging to young people. Right. Yeah. So we had a lot of students with, we had about 51 booths and, um, you know, 10 of them were, were students from UTSC, but we had other booths where, there was alumni from UTSC that were there that had showcased their um, their businesses as mm -hmm. well. And then we had other local businesses from all across the city come out and support. So that's kind of the foundation. And and this was our first year. We had over 2,000 people attend. Um, we had deputy Did they have mayor. to pay anything for it? No, it was absolutely free. Right? And wow. Can't Just charge. show up. Just show up. And most yeah. of my stuff is free, right? Yeah. Because the benefit is for the business owners to get a booth. Right, so they're paying to have access to two thousand people. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. they're paying for a booth. I remember you talking yeah. about that. What five hundred dollars per booth? It right? was it was six fifty, and that included yeah. it was a three day event, six fifty, yeah. and that included access to the VIP reception. And the VIP reception, we had um, a lot of diplomats there, um, as well as local city councilors. So the deputy mayor was there. Um, a bunch of uh, local politicians were there. Um, we had the Councilor General from Nepal, the Councilor General from Indonesia, the official leader of the opposition from wow. the Republic of Guyana. Um, we had Barbados Tourism, all in attendance, right? The, the event was so high profile, the VIP portion, that the RCMP came to do a sweep of the venue, before we had the VIP, mm, yeah, because just of the, clearance, just, right? Just yeah. for clearance, right? Yeah. That, that and that was the first time I've ever, ever experienced something of that level. And I was like, okay, wow, we're going places now, right? Mm. So, and it went off with, without a hitch. The following day was the uh, was the conference and trade show um, with the breakout sessions, and and then the, the final day we did a a yacht um, networking event. So just thirty people on the yacht, yeah. And was that part I, of the VIP package? That was part of the yeah. VIP package. And yeah. then and then what I did was I gave people a treat. I took them out on the water and then we, we went back um, to Rebel or Cabana. And then yeah. there was a concert with Maya. Yeah. You know, yeah. And um and then we went back on the water and then we came back. So it was, it was good. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And then when does that happen every year? Uh, September next one, September thirteenth, twenty twenty four. So if you have a business, from now. Yeah. yeah, you have a business, you know, that's something you should want to get, get exposure to Scarborough people. Well, not like only Scarborough, not we, had, Scarborough. we had people from all over. Yeah. We had people yeah. from Brampton. We had people that's from called Guelph. Toronto Business Summit Toronto for a reason. So it's just in Scarborough, but yeah. it's, it's Toronto <laughs> focus and, you know, it's GTA, you know, so it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's very good, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And just a shameless plug on my side. <laughs> is that if you want to attend the Toronto Business Summit, for sure, go for that uh, for to expose your business. But if you're someone who's running a business, own some real estate, you have some cash flow issue, you want to fill in the real estate hole, or you just want a consistent cash flow, 
We are running a bootcamp, uh, set and done strategy bootcamp, hosted by myself and my team. Uh, the strategy has been backed by TD Bank for multiple years, and uh, we're running that two-day bootcamp. I'll teach you all about it. It's relatively cheap, cheaper than setting up a booth. So contact me on social media, message me, and my team will get you more information. And let's get right back into the podcast. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, um. Other than the Toronto Business Summit, other than the, the, the real estate broker side, other than the mortgage broker side, other than the, the mayor's lunch, do we talk about the diversi- diversity job fair? Have we talked about that? No, and this is something that's important too because it ties into the Business Summit. It ties in... Um, to another initiative that we're doing, which is the Affordable Housing Summit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm still putting the framework together um, for that. I, I was talking to one of my counterparts today. You know, the, the month that we want to have that in is May um, for the diversity job fair. Um, but in addition to that, we want to host the Affordable Housing Summit in May as well. Nice. Um, so what is just, that going to be about? Like affordable housing, I might be assuming something, but I don't want to assume anything. So mm-hmm. what is that about? Well, I think the first thing to do is identify or define what affordable is. Well, right. I mean, hey, the top 10% of the income earners cannot qualify for average house. So I guess we're all, we all need affordable housing. That's <laughs> technically true. Yeah. Right? So it's hard to say what's affordable for what's not affordable based on what vantage point you're, you're at, yeah. right? So, you know, one of the things that we're looking at is, um, you know, modular homes. Um, I'm supposed to fly out to Sudbury next week to look at a modular home manufacturer mm-hmm. that's building micro units that, you know, you could they have wheels so you could take them and put them on a land and, you know, c- connect them. And mm-hmm. then they're self-sustaining. There's yeah. off-grid models as well. And mm-hmm. those are yeah. like 120, 150,000. Yeah. yeah slap on gray, just put it right on exactly. top. Exactly. It's kind of like what Elon Musk is uh, backing on, on that affordable housing, right? 50K boxes, 500 square feet that he's living in, right? Do you know what? Like, what's 500 it square feet is amazing because these guys are trying to push 125K for, I think, 300. Oh, 300, wow. yeah. So, yeah. like, I, I forgot what's the company, a box sell or something. I think Hollywood can look it up, but yeah, it's 500, you know, 500 square feet, $50,000. They just, they just, yeah. they just fold it in so it's easy to transport because that was the hardest part for modular home was transportation. Yeah. yeah. Right. So they can fold it in and they just fold it up and, yeah. you know, supposed to be a zero consumption. So, like, solar and all wow. that good stuff, right? I could live in 500 square feet. Yeah. I, I think I live in 500 square feet now because when I go home, I'm just in my bedroom. Yeah. On yeah. my patio, my back. My, I, I, my, my house is a five-level back split. Old school style house. Yeah. And I got my bedroom. I got my backyard, which is an extension of my bedroom. Yeah. And I got my pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's it. That's, that's my space. Yeah. That's your, that's your man, man cave. That, that's my wife's oasis. My man cave's <laughs> in the garage. But my daughter took that over now. But, you know, 
500 square feet, I could live in that. Yeah. Right? I, I think I could. Um, I think that's more than enough space. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you have a family of three, four, you know, I, I may be overreaching, but it, it may not be enough. Yeah. Right? So it depends on, you know, what your situation is. But, yeah. Yeah. you know, for a single person, um, a couple, um, mm-hmm. that might be affordable to them. Right? Yeah. So we have to really look at, you know, how we're utilizing existing lands. Mm-hmm. And then once we've maxed that out, then we talk about how to use green space and things like yeah. that. So, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, have property like, you know, Bill C23, C21. I can't yeah, remember. I did one. I did a yeah, garden did suite. One, right? I yeah, did one. I see it's that. right here in Bowmanville. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's a, I can drop by. Yeah. And it's a full thing. house. It's a one square feet smaller than the house in front, but in terms of volume, yeah. the height is much higher, so it looks much bigger. Oh, nice. Yeah. And how much square feet is that one? 950 per, per floor. So we have like... Oh, that's good. How much was the cost to construct that? <laughs> you don't want to know. It's a fortune. Yeah, it's a half a million up. Yeah, that's not affordable. Yeah, it's not affordable. And of course, that's including all the landscaping. We put a fence around it and all that. Make it nice. We thought, my fiance and I were thinking that we were going to move in. Mm. But uh, when we actually sat down and really think about it, mm. if we ever going to have kids, the in-law lives in Oakville. My mom lives in Toronto. So I've been told that, Cody, you really need the support of the family if you're going to have kids. Right. Yeah. It would be nice if someone's living 10 minutes away from you. Yeah. So we think about Bowmanville and think about Toronto. How far is the drive for you? Yeah. Right? And think about driving to Oakville. We're never going to get the support. Yeah. So when we look at reality is that we're probably never going to live in there realistically right yeah. but we built it as if we're going to live in there and that was just really nice short-term rental and we yeah. are killing it <laughs> yeah that's good so and i have land in prince Edward county i got a hector on the water and um you know i was going to build a massive structure and you know use that for myself my family my friends mm-hmm. just to go up you know resort cottage life and i was going to build a coach house on on the property um, but then the coach house looked so perfect. I was like, maybe I just live in the coach house and just rent the whole house out. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I can make There's a lot of people it. doing that. I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. like, I'm at a point right now. I, I did simplify, right? I did it all. Like yeah. I, I've done a lot and I'm quite sure that, you know, there's other people that have done more, but I think for me where I'm at, and I think we talked about this in Vancouver and in Montreal when we had that synergy conference. Oh, the c- cigar lounge where we're, was that yeah. where we're talking about it? Yeah. I, I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember, but you know, like when is it enough? Enough. My couple counseling therapist asked me that question and I couldn't answer it. Yeah. That was a question that I couldn't think about on the way home. Is that what is enough? Yeah. At that time, you know, that was a more private conversation. He was asking me, like, what is enough for you to feel like it's enough to be secure enough to give your fiancé something, you know, become a fiancé, right? So yeah. that was one of the tough questions he asked me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know the answer to that. Do you have an answer for that? Um, <laughs> I, I still haven't tell, had I an answer. I can tell you this. <laughs> I'm at a point right now that my children are secure. Yeah. Right? I would like What's to, secure for them? One house they one all house, each own a house. They all have a house. Okay, good. Right? They're secure in that respect. I would like to have it so that I could dig down one more generation. Mm-hmm. So that my children's children. And how are you gonna do that? 
well, this is where they have to contribute. Yeah. Right? To that. Right? I did my part because I didn't have anyone offer me a house. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I didn't have that either. I work it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? So probably all of us in this room are like that. Right? But at the end of the day, you have to know when to sit back and enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't want to be a developer building properties and it's a lot of stress too eh? it's a lot of pressure i don't want to <laughs> do that and yeah you're gonna get a good reward but it's, then- it's the like for people who doesn't know real estate development is the highest profit margin you can get if you can pull it off it might take the longest the most stress mm-hmm. but there are people who are doing well with it and there are very wealthy people if you can pull it off yeah. right but it's not for a light of heart it was just beginners to yeah. go right into that because yeah. there's a lot of strings you need to work yeah. with, a lot of regulations, policy yeah. change, and yeah. things change, right? And I don't want to deal with that. I'd rather be, you know, and this is the way I look at it. I don't see banks developing. I see banks lending. Oh, banks is bank, right? Right? So I, I want to do what the bank is doing. Just <laughs> give me my percentage and leave me alone. Yeah. Right? Whether it's 1%, 2%, half a percent. Mm-hmm. I'll adjust my lifestyle to cater to the influx of yeah. my percentage and I don't need to stress and I'll enjoy your fruits of your labor with the money that I made helping you build it. That's mm-hmm. the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Right? You're kind of a stage where you're a little bit over the sweat equity. You still, you're kind of re- harvesting and really lending out your money, let the money work for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the stage, right? You're not so much of pushing for more, taking more, much more risk just to 2x, 3x, or 10x it. Yeah. Like, you know what? I'm at the maintenance stage. Yeah. I know my risk. I know what I'm good at. I'm just going to lend my money out and ride with it. Yeah. As long as I still make more than what I spend, beat the inflation a lot, you're cool with it, right? Yeah. Is that where you're at? I'm very simple like that. Yeah. And then you're trying to do all these Toronto Business Summit. Yeah. That, that's, more, that's more the satisfactory part of it. Yeah. Because it's like now I'm helping another business grow and then mm-hmm. you know, I'll get consulting from that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm cool with that. Yeah. It's like a passion project. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If I could help you grow, then I'm going to grow too with your success. Right. You're going to come back to me for some consulting. Mm-hmm. Maybe you come back to me for a loan. You know, there's always reciprocity. Yeah. So that's another thing, right? If, if you guys are thinking about, Oh, I only going to wait. I'm going to start giving back once I made it. Why don't you start thinking about giving back while you're trying to make it right or why on your way to financial freedom or on your way to you know sean sean allen stage and guess what when you start doing great things giving back to the community it will actually help your business grow a lot faster mm-hmm. as well because people want to associate if they can make a decision of giving two people money they'd rather give the people the money that they like trust and give it back to the community right so 100%. you are definitely on the right path yeah. for that yeah. So it's it's actually really smart, and you get a really good reputation too. And of course, you got to have a good heart, right? Then you know you spend time and money on that. Mm-hmm. A lot of time in the beginning, you got to outlay money that you might not get back, right? Yeah. And you got to have the financial backing for that. Yeah. So at a certain stage, you start doing that, right? Yeah, so. and you got to have the accounting to manage those, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, storms as well too. Mm-hmm. Right? You have to have that rainy day fund, and a lot mm-hmm. of people, you know, in their development or in you know whatever they're doing they don't set aside you know enough capital to handle Mm -hmm. those situations 
Yeah, only when the tide goes out, you know who's swimming naked, right? Yeah. So, um, um, like for me, like for all my strategy or the way I'm building a business, I'm always learn from the worst case scenario, learn from people who has failed. Mm-hmm. And I learn a lot more and hopefully I don't make the same mistake. I can look at all the success story, but it doesn't really apply. I look at all the failure story. Mm-hmm. If I have any competitor, I look at how they fail, why they fail and how do I avoid that? And if I can look at hundred cases, I think my chance of being successful is much higher than the person looking at all the success story because they don't see the real reality of things. So are you right? too big to fail? No, no one's too big to fail, man. I don't think no. I'm never failing. Yeah, I'm never failing. I, I don't think I could fail ever. It's not in my vocabulary. Yeah, right. Um, I think it's because of that mentality we will never fail. But the moment yeah. we think we were too big mm-hmm. to fail, then something will happen. I, right? I think I don't agree. I think you need if you're. In any business and you're self-employed, you don't go in thinking that you're going to fail. Now, if it doesn't work out, that doesn't mean that you failed. Mm-hmm. That just means that you learned and now you're going to apply those techniques to something greater. Mm-hmm. 100%. Right? But you're not failing. So mm-hmm. you can't afford to not take chances because you feel that you may fail. Yeah. Right? Because there's no real failure in entrepreneurship. Yeah. Right. So you have to keep pushing yourself and putting yourself through stress tests <laughs> right? yeah. in life yeah. to really expand your horizon. 100%. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. No, I agree yeah. with that. The way that I see failure is like that's a permanent thing. But if you keep going, yeah. it doesn't exist. It doesn't the minute exist. you fail is when you stop trying. Yeah. If you don't quit. No, Don't seriously, fail. seriously. It's right? a, failure is a permanent thing. It means you yeah. stop trying. You but stop if you're, trying. If you're yeah. still learning and you're seeing all those, those lessons as lessons yeah. and you're learning from them, you're not failing ever. Yeah. You're becoming better and better. Every time, right? Yeah. So the only two people that get anywhere is people that learned a lot of lessons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, 100%. and that's why we have you on the podcast because I'm trying to leverage the lessons you have learned, <laughs> whether the good or bad lessons, right? Or just human nature of how things work in reality, not just yeah. reading it from books, right? But sometimes you give people the knowledge and they don't receive it. Well, most of it don't. I mean, you can take the horse to the like water, most, but... Most of the time, like, people listen to a Wolf Buster podcast, but yeah, Cody, that's a great idea. Hey, your boot camp is a great idea, but yeah, I'm going to think about it. You know what I say to that? <laughs> I'll tell you what I say. Find them dumb, leave them dumb. Because you try to go and help these people... Right, you try to go help these people, and then they come with their questions and innuendo, yeah. and then they come and try to poison the pot. Yeah. Where you have other people in your team that are believing what you're doing, and then they come in and say, "Oh, you know, Cody. Oh, I don't know if this makes sense," mm-hmm. and they don't come to you with it. And now, you know, you just put some poison into the soup. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you gotta you gotta cut that cancer right yeah. away and take that yeah. right out of the equation That's and right. just leave them where they're at. 100%. Because they might not be able, not that they're bad people, but they may not be at that level of intellect not the right mindset to receive anything. the information. Yeah. Right? And I think so. that's one of the hardest things. Like for me, I'm always trying to help people. Like it's just like an innate thing that I want to do. And it's, it's a hard mindset shift to realize that I need to be more selective. I need to, 100%. I need to pick and choose between what I'm going to put my energy in because I don't want to just spend an hour convincing someone to yeah. change. I want to deal with the person who understands they need to change and they're yeah. asking, how do I do this? Yeah, and it took me a long time to get to that point because yeah. I was just like, I got this business, this mortgage business. 
It's making great money. You could quit your job. Yeah. Come work with me. I'll train you. I'll teach you. And then people come. They quit. They come work with me. Mm-hmm. And then they leave to be my competition. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I figure, like, you know what? If I never even brought you to that point, then I could have just left you. You know what I mean? But I was trying to, you know, be that caring, nurturing yeah. person. But now I'm at a point that I don't even want to do that anymore. Right? I'd rather just focus on... The people that are buying into my system, the people that are loyal to the system that has been yeah. there for years, less people, more money, right? So I think that's kind of the mentality you have to have. Yeah. yeah. Well, cheers to the sweet spot and cheers to you can only help the people who's ready to cheers. be helped. Cheers. Okay, cheers, cheers. to that. <laughs> cheers. No, I love that. <laughs>